Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. As we want to display the splendor, we're kind of wrapping this up, obviously, of the four areas, and you guys can see them ahead of you. And we've walked through one, two, and three. And now the end of that Isaiah 61 verses one through three passage talks about how we, like that strong oak tree. Matter of fact, interesting, my 118, I think I was right here, yeah. Um, this is a tree. It's kind of crazy to think about. We want to be like a strong oak tree. And that's the verse that we were looking at and displaying his glory. So the question is, how can we display the majesty of the sovereign God. There are many ways to display his majesty, so many ways. Here's one of those many ways. I'm gonna dial in on one. But end of the day, I, can I say it's probably the most important and it goes like this. The last command that Jesus ever gave, by the way, Aubrey, um, these screens are mute. Like the, not the preview screen, but the other one. That's why I have to keep turning around. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Um, the last command of Jesus to his followers, you guys probably know this. If you grew up in the church culture, it's called the Great Commission. You guys ever heard of that? The Great Commission. You think, what's a commission? Well, if you have, if your parents are in the military, if you are any kind of military, um, have a background in military, or you kind of at least watch, like, you know, military movies, or you like, I watched Mission Impossible or Jason Bourne. You know, the idea that you're on a mission, that means you are given, before you're set on a mission, you're given a commission. All that simply means is you're given a job. You're given a mission. Jesus gave us a mission, and that mission is to make more followers of him, okay? So what we have here is we are called to, and let's stand up, because I'm already seeing some of y'all getting really cozy and starting to sleep. I will do my best to keep you awake, okay? Let's stand up and let's read this out loud together. Three, two, one. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. Stop, stop, stop. That is not loud enough, okay? We're going to pick this up verse 19. Come on, y'all. Ready? Three, two, one. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Have a seat. Thank you very much. 96%. 96%. What is that talking about? We started with 236 guests this weekend. That's not including me or the staff here. So if you round it all up, we're about 250. But let's just kind of dial it down to the number 200. Because that's kind of a working number here in this room. For every 100 adolescents, that's y'all. For every 100 of you, this is research been done, different researchers. And by the way, this has not moved much at all in the last number of years. Quite frankly, this number has only moved two digits since the 1960s. This number is the number of those in the adolescent generation who do not claim the very basic components of Christianity. Very basic components 
of Christianity. Matter of fact, you guys ever, you know what a Jenga tower is? It's like the baseline. If you pull that out, the Jenga tower crashes. Now, in this room, we'll have differences on what we call minor issues of doctrine. I get that. But I'm talking about the major components of the doctrines that if you don't have one of those doctrines, you are not born again. For example, God. God in three persons, the Father, Son, and what? Spirit. Jesus Christ is God. Fully God and what? Fully man. The word of God is not the 10 suggestions, the 10 options, the 10 things to consider. Consider it, these are the 10 commandments. In other words, the Bible is the very word of God. Jesus is the only way to heaven. He literally died. He literally arose from the dead. He literally ascended, and he will literally return to the earth. And if you sign off, that means to agree. Click, click, click on your phone. You know, do you guys ever read that before you say, I accept? Yes. Uh, thank you. you. One of you reads that. Okay? You agree with all of that in your head, but in your heart, you've acknowledged Christ as your Lord. You've received him as your Lord and Savior. Only four out of a hundred. That's a big way of just simply saying four out of a hundred students say they are saved, they are in Christ, they're new creations in Christ. Not based on what they do, but based on what he did. See, religion is what you do. Christianity is the word done. I'll say that again. Religion, what you gotta do. Christianity is what Christ has what? Done. And guys, ladies, this has not moved much since 1960. Youth for Christ did research on that in 1960. My parents got married in 1960. I mean, you think about this. I'm born in 1963. That means for the last 60 plus years, we've had all these <clears throat> teenagers who've come through, and it was only 5% then. It's down to 4% now. So we're going to stand up again. Watch this play. Everybody stand up, including adults. Everybody stand up. Okay, I need to have everyone on the count of five, four, three, two, one is going to sit down except for eight of you. One, two, yes, okay. It's your mission. Three, oh, I got to skip over here. Four, you're in, okay. Four, don't go back and say, no, was I one of those or not? Five. Six, you ready? Seven, eight, how's that? Eight, stay up. Five, four, three, two, one, have a seat. So out of this 200 of us, so do the math, that means eight out of 104. See this? See, this is why when you go to your school, how many of y'all go to school? That's good, okay? Hopefully, a school tomorrow. No, let's hopefully we don't have school tomorrow. <laughs> Anyways, here's the deal. Um, how many, stay standing, y'all. Get, get uncomfortable. Get really awkward feeling right now, okay? Because this is what it means when you're on Team Jesus and you go to school and you feel like you're alone. And you're like, dude, I, sometimes I think I'm the only Christian in my math class because statistically, you may be the only Christian in your math class. Now, some of you homeschool, private school, and you think, well, Rich, that isn't, that isn't the same for me. How many of you attend public school? Yeah, well, 
it's lost. You guys understand that, right? I mean, it's like Jesus is a swear word. Jesus is not the Lord of your school. Well, he is, but they don't know it yet. <laughs> you guys, before you all sit down, I want you to think about this. This is what it's like being the Christian on your ball team when you feel alone. Um, the sad reality is three out of four of you leave church before you graduate from high school. You got bored, sit down. You got a boyfriend, he's, a, he's, all, he's all fine, and he's like, he didn't want to go to church anymore, so you sit down. Sports, sit down. <laughs> I look at you. Uh, bored, sit down. Sit down. <laughs> and just, uh, and actually, here's some of the basic reasons. It's not just I disagree with Christianity. It's, it's just not for me. Uh, I just don't really know if it's even true. Sit down. And we have two left. See, by the time you are 20 and 25 years of age, it's even gone down even further. Do you guys understanding this? We're losing the battle. Have a seat. Thank you. So what I want to talk to us tonight or today about is displaying his glory, displaying his splendor, because you're on a mission. And I don't know if you actually understand that you are on a mission. And I want you to understand that you are on a mission. And please, like, I have, I have homeschool students and I have Christian school students in my, in my church. And I've already told them, that does not disclude you. Because sometimes, I mean, I've been in student ministry since I was 20, so I've, I've heard all the excuses. Well, it's like, I don't know any unsaved people. It's kind of like, I don't have the Great Commission because I don't know anybody unsaved. That's an issue, people. That's the problem with our churches. There's many problems in our churches. I'm not ripping churches. I love the church. It's Jesus' bride, and I love Jesus. Therefore, I love his bride. I'm not church bashing. I'm saying there's a problem here. I'm in it, too. I'm in this problem. See, I teach in a Christian university. My world is Christian people. And it continues to hurt me to realize I don't know unsaved people like I should. Because all I work with is typically Christian. So how many of you attend Christian school, your homeschool? And sometimes I think we can think, you guys know what I'm talking about? I'm with you in this one. I went to Christian school. Sometimes we can think, oh, I don't know anybody unsaved. Therefore, I don't have to share Jesus. It's kind of like I'm off the hook. It's not true. We're all given the Great Commission. Now, what I'm going to do is, again, I'm just going to kind of zing through this. And if your leaders want this, they could teach it to you all later so you guys could see the scriptures. But there are 10, and there are 10. There are 10 areas of why and 10 areas how. Why? Why should I be displaying the glory of Jesus and what the Bible calls witnessing? You guys ever heard that phrase? And that usually freaks us out. Witnessing? What? what? I got to go, like, put on a, get dress up and go to someone's house I don't know and knock on the door and say, hello, do you know Jesus? And this, no, I'm not saying that. And in fact, I told my students, just, we just covered this a few weeks ago on a Sunday. And um, I said, when, when, I think, when I say the word witness, what do, I, what do y'all think of? And I love this, classic middle school. And they're like, kind of like, like when you're in a court of law and you have to like, and I said, actually, that's true. That's actually what it is. Boom, good answer. <laughs> because you've seen something, 
How many times have you had to go, officer? <laughs> You've had to go into to court as a law enforcement officer, and you have to be there, and you have to bring in a witness, someone who observed this situation, this accident, this crime, etc. Guys, ladies, we are witnesses. That means we have observed and experienced the goodness of our God. Does that make sense now? Therefore, we are witnesses. We are eyewitnesses. That's not a weird word. It's not a Christian word. That's a beautiful word that we are to display his splendor to people that don't know Jesus. So we can also use the phrase sharing Jesus, sharing your faith. Because in Acts 1.8, and I'm going to read the scripture to you, um, these are the very last words of Jesus before he ascends into heaven. Very last thing Jesus says um, they said, this is so fun. They, they're like, Lord, now that you've died and you've resurrected and you've come back to us, they said, this is the disciples, now are you going to bring in the kingdom? In other words, now can we have Israel back? Now can we get rid of Rome? Which I understand that, guys. If another nation came in, blew up America, I'd want to have our freedom back too. I, I totally get it. I totally get it. And they're like, Jesus, now can you restore your kingdom? And he goes, not yet. He goes, it's not for you to know the times nor the dates. The Father has set by his own authority. But what he's saying is, until that day does come, when he returns, until that day does come, he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in, and there's three areas, Jerusalem, and that's where they're from. You're Jerusalem in your head right now. Say in your head, your hometown. Three, two, one. Say in your head. Now you're going to say it out loud. Three, two, one. I heard Baltimore. Okay. I heard that. Okay. That's your Jerusalem. He says, in Jerusalem, I'm moving this way. Judea, Samaria, think three circles. Small circle, middle circle, bigger circle. Your hometown, you're going to say it out loud again. Three, two, one. In Jerusalem, and then you think your surrounding counties, Judea, Samaria, and then Jesus says the ends of the earth. Jesus wants everybody to hear the good news. Jesus wants everybody across the world to have a chance to hear his message, to see it displayed in his, in, through your life so they can have a chance to follow Jesus too, okay? says, go be my witnesses. So that's the first one we're commanded to. We're also commanded to share Christ with others. That's the great commission. Go therefore and make disciples, teaching them, teaching them to obey all things. Because we love Jesus. Jesus says this in John's gospel, chapter 21. He says, if you love me, go do these things. This was to Peter, uh, I covered this last year, winter meltdown, when Peter was restored back to Jesus after his betrayal. He's like, Peter, why are you out fishing? I covered that last year. I don't think any of y'all were here for that when I spoke, but, but I said, like, why are you going back to fishing? You're called to go fish for men. Remember that? He goes, go feed my sheep. We've been singing the song about being, he's our shepherd. He goes, go shepherd my people. In other words, go talk about me. Fourth one, you see it up here? Because we love people. This is Paul writing to this Roman church, and he goes, look, he goes, if it were theologically possible, and it's not, but Paul's just kind of throwing this like what if thing out there, 
He goes, if it were possible that I could like trade in my own salvation so that my nation of Israel would take Jesus as their Messiah, I would do it. You said, Baltimore, Lord, if you could take my salvation and I would give my salvation up for my city to follow Jesus, I would do it. Now, that's theologically impossible because each one has to say yes to Jesus on her own, on his own. But that's Paul's heart for people. Do you guys see that? He's like, Lord, if it was possible, I want my people of Israel to come to know you. That's called passion. And the fifth one, because we fear God. And five through nine, I'm going to see these really quick. These are right out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Because the fear of the Lord, Paul says, knowing the fear of the Lord, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Guys, let's be honest. Hell's serious. I'm not trying to freak you out and scare you, but it's there. Every one sermon Jesus spoke on on heaven, he spoke three on hell. Oh, I like heaven. I believe in heaven. I don't believe in hell. You cannot believe in hell. It doesn't mean it goes away. It is there. I mean, Jesus talked about it ratio-wise three times to once on heaven. Happy thoughts, heaven, streets of gold. I like that. He describes hell. Oh, I don't believe in that. It doesn't matter what you believe. It's the book. It's the word. That's serious. We're all not going to be here in 100 years. When I'm 16 playing outfield, my baseball team upstate in New York, I was the Christian on the team. I totally kept getting mocked for following Jesus and ripped and belittled. And I had been having that <clears throat> mockery come to me since I was eight and nine years old. I was kind of getting sick of it, to be honest with you. After a while, it's kind of like, this is getting old. You know, Billy Bible and all the jokes toward me. And I was kind of getting like, feeling this little like poor me attitude there in the outfield. I mean, you're, you're now feeling kind of bored, you know, and you're sitting there and you're right here. And I'm kind of like, right in center field, I'm kind of like, you know, and it hit me. I was like, Lord, it was, just, it was just ticking me off. and I, Then the, the Spirit of God just kind of struck me with this thought. A hundred, this is my thought. Bounced through my head, middle of a game, center field. Here I am, you know, lined up, and all of a sudden the thought hits me. A hundred years from now, where am I going to be? And where are they going to be? And instead of me being like ticked off at them, actually my heart went out to them. And I thought, I got to stay consistent in my, my testimony and keep trying to talk about Jesus. <clears throat> 6 through 10. We respond to Christ's love. This is so cool, this one verse. Um, he says, we no longer think from a worldly perspective. Now that Paul says, I'm in Christ, which is the next verse, new creation in Christ, because I'm a new creation in Christ, I think different. See, I don't see you as something I can use to get something out of you. I see you as a creation of God that needs to have a relationship with God. Now I see you different. Isn't that awesome? We got this issue in our country, hatred, racism, da, da, da. You know what would solve all that? If we would just simply see everybody as how God sees them? And they need God. And how can I help them understand the love of Jesus? Boom, done, easy. <laughs> but we have to submit to Jesus to have that love come out of us. And that's where our country right now doesn't want to submit to Jesus because we want to be the king of our lives. Does that make sense what I'm saying? The, new ver the next verse is the one you all know, probably. You know, we're, we're new creations. And, and then we view people differently. And, and then we've been given the ministry and the message of reconciliation. 
This is powerful. This 2 Corinthians 5 passage, just leaders sometimes, sometimes unpack this with your students. And the very last one here on 10 is a verse that when I was a student pastoring on Seattle for all those years, I would have our students every year memorize this verse. This is not Philippians. It's Philemon. It's that little tiny book. And as leaders, I would always say to our students, look, if I expect you to memorize these verses, I have to memorize these verses. Is that fair game? So here we go. See if the old Pastor Rich can still remember this, okay? Philemon verse 6. I pray that you'll be active in sharing your faith so that you will know every good thing you have in Christ Jesus. I told my own children as they were growing up, when you lead someone to faith in Christ, you will then, it's a game changer, you will then realize the awesome majesty that's in you when you give it away to somebody else. Does that make any sense? Christianity is boring. Christianity is boring. I'm not done yet. Christianity is boring until you give it away. And the reason so many of you may be bored with Christianity is because you're not giving it away. You see, we're not meant to be in the stands and watch the game get played by a few. We're meant by God, Ephesians 2.10. That's one of Taco's verses. For your workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We're not meant to watch others play the game spiritually. We're meant to be on the field playing the game. That's why when you go on some kind of missions trip or project, you're like all jacked up. You're all excited because now you're in the game. Does that make sense, y'all? When you share your faith and someone else is like, seriously? You mean this whole Jesus thing is for real? And they're like buying in? All of a sudden you're like, yeah, this just like pumps you up. I mean, this gets you excited too. That's what that verse is all about. How can I share Jesus? The first five here have to do with how you live it how you display his splendor. First one, your home life. This actually, Peter the Apostle writes this, and he's talking about a family where the dad is not a believer in Christ, the dad is not saved, he's not a disciple, but the mama is. And how it says, through her quiet and understanding, gracious life. In other words, not just help the case. What he says to, what Peter says to this wife is, look, you have a loving and gracious response to him, and that will, that grace and that love will eventually wear him down, not bugging him. And I think the same principle is true for you. Maybe you don't have a family who loves Jesus. And you can go home and always say, you, man, mom, you need Jesus. Dad, you need Jesus. And you just keep pounding them and pounding them. They actually are going to run away. And sometimes then we think, oh, we're the martyr. No, we did it wrong. It's like you go home and you have a gracious attitude. Be helpful, be kind, be courteous, be respectful. That, does that make sense? That is what's going to help them go, hmm, maybe I do want what you have. Because let's be honest, when someone pushes you, you want to run, fight, or what? Flight. You guys ever heard that? Someone pushes you, it's fight or flight. Just like when we share Jesus. The first place we start with sharing Jesus is not getting in somebody's face over it. It's this, they need to see it displayed in their life. Second area, a hard work ethic. Yeah. Students, your teachers, if you go to public school, are probably not saved. I have some people I've met here who are public school teachers. I got people in our church who are Christians teaching in public school. Public school teachers who are believers in Jesus know the rules. 
You can live Jesus. You can't talk about Jesus. But when you find out you're a Christian teacher in a public school and you find out you have students in there who are saved, you're like praying, Lord, help them to bring a little conversation up because then we can go there. You guys know what I'm talking about? Remember that? (laughs) So I hope this makes sense. When you have teachers looking at those who are Christians wearing the Christian, you know, T-shirts and all that, or Christian bands or things, and then they're also cheating, or they're also not working hard, or they're also lazy like everybody else, that's not a good testimony. One of the best things y'all can do on your athletic team, on your band, whatever you do, is Colossians 3.23. Do it heartily as unto the Lord, not unto men. Lead by example. Is this making sense? This is not like rocket science. This is not difficult. It's just, it's just basic Having a servant's heart in your actions and your attitudes towards your authorities. Um, Titus, is, Paul says to Titus, he goes, teach these people on the island of Crete. It was a, a Greek island where Titus was the pastor there. And, and Paul says, teach them to, I love this verse, you ready? He goes, how they respond to their authority, your coaches, your parents, your teachers, etc. How do you respond to authority? Get this, ready? To make the teachings of God our Savior, a pushes your, be so different. And now that they've asked you those questions, now they want your answer. Track with me. Track with me. I believe so many Christians are so quick to be sharing answers with people, but the people don't have any questions yet. So here it is. I'm sitting at a light up in Seattle, looking up, because that's Seattle, Lake Lynchburg. It's either up or down. It's not flat. And I'm on a stoplight. I'm looking up at the car next to me. The car in front of me, he's got a bumper sticker on the back of its car. It says this, Jesus is the answer. Now, I'm from the East Coast. Used to be called the Bible Belt. Not anymore. I don't think there is a Bible Belt anymore. But at least we kind of like, you see these like big billboards on the side of the road, you know. Jesus is the answer. You guys know what I'm talking about? Here's this bumper sticker. Jesus is the answer. Next line on on the bumper sticker. So what's the question? Now, as a Christian, I'm thinking, oh, they're being smart mouth, you know? They're being snarky. <laughs> and actually, I said out loud to myself, talking out loud to myself, I go, touche. They busted us. Here's the deal. We're so quick to give people answers, but they don't have the questions. But, 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 when they own the question, now they want your answer. On my ball team, I'm trying to talk about Jesus with these guys. They don't care. But then... When somebody had a serious life issue, now they want the answer. And as long as I've been faithfully alongside of them and right near them, I hope this is making sense. If I've been faithfully near them this whole time, when they have the question, now they want to hear it. Now, talk to me about your Jesus, because now they're hurting. And if we've been faithfully being their friend and being alongside of them, now they want to hear. Actions, attitudes, are godly lifestyle. Knowing the scripture, 1 Peter 3.15, speaks of to set up her Christ as Lord in your hearts, being able to give a defense of the hope you have and do it with gentleness and respect. Six, in your words, you got to talk about it. There's this statement out there. You may have heard of it. There's this old, old, old dude back a thousand plus years ago, St. Francis of Assisi. He said this phrase, apparently. He said this phrase. Speak the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Who's ever heard that? Wrong. Yeah. Um, It's actually, first of all, not theologically correct. It's actually, he never said that. But somebody said that he said that. It's kind of like I put this thing I was doing at the Winterfest at at Liberty last week for for a leader's workshop. I had a picture of Abraham Lincoln 
up on the screen is a meme, and it said off to the side, you may have seen this on Facebook, it said, as long as it's on the internet, believe anything anyone said. It's a joke, okay? All right, never mind. All right, but it's, just, it's kind of like, yeah, it's, we, we hear these things, and no, he never actually said that. In other words, the idea would be, oh, I'm sharing the gospel just by my life, but I don't talk about it. Guys, that's a cop-out. Romans is very clear. Paul says they're not going to receive Christ unless they hear about Christ. We have to tell them. But see, here's the deal. I first live my testimony. I display his glory so that it earns me the right to be what? Heard so then I can tell them about Jesus. It need, you need both. I call it the visible witness and the verbal witness. I have to visibly show Jesus and then verbally talk about Jesus. Existing relationships in the power of the Holy Spirit. You shall receive the Spirit. Thankfully, the Spirit did come upon the church, and now we have our power source, the Holy Spirit. Witnessing is done both through your walk and your talk and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Sharing Jesus is more than just what you do. It's who you are. You see, Jesus never said, go do witnessing. He said, you are a witness. So the question is, when people see you, do they see a replication of Jesus? What action steps even this week will I take to be an effective witness of Jesus? Will people want to know more about Jesus as they watch me and my attitude and my hard work and my ethics? Do people see God in me, do I display his glory? I know we're tired. I'm tired too. We're all tired. Who's tired? Raise your hand. Are you too tired to say that you're tired? Are you sick and tired of being tired, right? I know that, guys. And I, I've been, thank you for kind of hanging in with me here. But I hope this makes sense. To display his glory is to go make disciples. And we have to represent him well. I mentioned my son to you, Ryan. Um, he sat in church all those years throughout middle and high school doing this. He'd, stare, he'd slouch down. His head would be right here, his butt basically falling off the chair. And he's watching the screen as the preacher's right there. And we actually were teasing about this the other day. It's kind of comfortable, actually, now I'm trying to stay awake myself. And I'm the dad going, sit up, sit up, sit up. And you want to like, not grab him by the ear. But actually, I kind of did, but I didn't. You know, I want to do something to motivate him to get up. Sit up. No. See, I call him my respectful rebel. Because to us, he was always respectful. But he, he wouldn't. He, he wanted nothing to do with God. And here, here am I. I'm a youth pastor. Now I'm a youth ministry professor. And, and my own kid doesn't want Jesus. And, and trust me, that was awkward. Does this make sense, adults? That was awkward. My son did not want Jesus in his life. We could talk sports. We could talk anything. But if I ever talked about Jesus, I mean, since he was little, we'd have the family time trying to do some family God discussion. My oldest is like a theologian as a little kid. He's asking theological questions. My youngest is like, whatever. 
And I'm trying to have this Theo stuff with my kids, and my youngest is like, he'd actually sit there on the floor, and you kind of like pretend he's sleeping, and he'd roll over, and then you talk about sports, and he's like right back up again. In other words, his heart was reflecting his own kingdom, and his kingdom wasn't Jesus. You guys tracking with me? It wasn't until a few years ago that he got legitly serious. Is that a right word? Just made it up. Legitly? Sure. Let's use it. Legitimate. <laughs> and he received Christ, truly received Christ, just a few years ago. And to see God take his life, and now to see him as a man of God who knows the scripture, who actually is training and just finishing up right now his degree to be a student pastor. He's moving to Tennessee this summer to work in a big church in, in Bellevue Baptist as their high school intern. And to see God do in Ryan's life is for Ryan out to display God's glory. I remember as a dad sobbing over my son's lost condition. And now every time I hear that old song by Cutlass, it's one of their songs that talks about God and miracles. And that was a song I clung to back 10 years ago, praying that God would get through to him. So I've seen miracles just happen. Now that I hear that song, I tear up going, thank you, Jesus, you did it. Because Jesus is the only one that can make the dead come what? To life. And make beauty out of what? So here's the thing. Last slide. Show Jesus, shine Jesus, share Jesus, make Jesus the most famous person in your life and in your student ministry. When people come in to visit your student ministry, may not all of you about y'all, may it be about Jesus. And when you leave here and you go, what's that dude's name from Virginia? I don't know, but he talked a whole lot about Jesus. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. What's his name? I don't know. He's crazy about Jesus. I'm fine with that. Love you guys. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.